0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL,
1: America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
0: All right, welcome in to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here along with Andrew Kramer, Vikings beat reporter from the Star Tribune, filling in Courtney Cronin's shoes today. Andrew, how are you?
2: Big shoes to fill. Good to be on.
0: You are back in the studio. You remember this weirdly shaped table. You remember how to use the microphone a little bit. I
2: do. The nostalgia is coming back. You feel know, good? All it's, the great it's, moments. It's not allergies. It's a little tear in my were, eye. Were there great yeah. moments? Yep, yep. Of course there were. Of course. With <laughs> Phil. Back when Royce was still here. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh,
0: there was a wide left kick that you got to cover as a member of our staff. Every four years, it feels like
2: there is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So your timing was really good to have you in today because you just reported today that there is a possibility that the Minnesota Vikings could move Riley Reeve from left tackle to left guard. And I tweeted your article And um, let me just say the response was not friendly to that idea. So tell me about why the Minnesota Vikings would consider moving their left tackle to left guard. Because it worked out so well moving a tackle to guard last year.
2: Yeah, I think any idea that comes out for the Minnesota Vikings offensive line is going to be met with that kind of skepticism. And rightfully so, because nothing has really kind of come together or worked out too much other than picking Brian O'Neill in the second round. Um, they're, they're thinking this because they need better protection for Kirk Cousins' backside. I mean, Riley's the guy who gave up back to back, uh, strip sacks in weeks three and week four. Um, he was inconsistent throughout the year. He hasn't really been worth uh, the, the money that they paid him on a $58 million contract. And so because of all that, Riley just turned 30 in December as well. And if you think you can find your long-term future at left tackle, why not start right now? Whether that's Brian O'Neill or somebody you can draft or get in free agency, that's the, the kind of thinking behind it. And Riley's going to get the short end of the stick because of how bad Mike Remmers had played this year. So I understand that that experiment might... Um, not sound great, but Riley was projected by some to be a guard when he was coming out of Iowa. He had experience playing guard at Iowa. Now, he hasn't in the NFL, uh, but this is a guy that they think can still play for them at a higher level than maybe Mike Remmers did last year.
0: So what would that mean for Riley Reef's contract? I mean, would they have some leverage then to restructure him? There is the June 1st thing. I think all of his signing bonus money has been used, which means after June 1st, he could be one of those guys that they could cut, so they would have some leverage to restructure him, but at the same time, by June 1st, you've already gone through the free agent process.
2: Exactly. So by then, you're going to know whether or not you've got the replacement for him. And I think the thinking is, if you do, then you're more willing to part ways. If you don't, then you're kind of stuck with him. Then he's going to be that left tackle, at least for 2019. Um, In terms of his contract, he's due $11 million. That's steep if you're going to play him at guard. And so I think if they get a replacement for him, they can work on a possible restructure this spring, something they've naturally done. They could look to do that with Mike Remmers as well if they don't end up cutting him. Um, this is a, a situation where everything's so fluid with this offensive line because of how poorly guys played at times and it was something where one guy one thing went wrong every week. It wasn't always mm-hmm. the five collectively playing poorly and so you can't really stick to your guns on anybody outside of the young guys line and, and O'Neal.
0: Yeah and that's something that I noticed with the New England Patriots is that their offensive line their left tackle they traded for Trent Brown they traded a third round pick for him. Everyone else is drafted and developed. And when you look back at these recent drafts from the Vikings, it's sort of the same way that they handled the tight end position that they handled the offensive line for the most part. It's, well, we drafted this guy in the fourth round, and he's got to be right in there playing, and Mm -hmm. that just really isn't a great model for that. And even Brian O'Neill, though he played well at right tackle, it wasn't ideal to have him play as much as he did, because he is still a developmental guy. Pat Elfline, they had to throw right in too, and I think to his detriment in some ways there and then this year he has to come back from the injury and so he hasn't had the full development that he's needed either and when you go back through those drafts you've got to wonder maybe not first round even but even more second round more third round guys Delvin Cook is a very good player Mm -hmm. hasn't been on the field a whole lot they decided not to draft a lineman in that draft even though they needed one in the second round and wait till the third round and there I guess there's a bunch of different times where you could question their draft approach when you see that one of the best lines in the league was developed over a number of years in 2015 I went back and looked on pro football focus 2015 the Patriots were ranked second to last in pass protection and now they're up toward the top with kind of the same guys, except for they've just developed them and pushed them forward. So now it feels like trying to play catch up and scratching and clawing in a lot of ways, but uh, they still don't look to me like they're going to have a very good offensive line next
2: year, even with some other better options. And specifically, you're right with the offensive line in that Patriots Super Bowl. Isn't that uh, the greatest lesson in how this dynasty with the Patriots is just an example of coaching and development. As you just said, with the offensive line specifically though, mm-hmm. they don't spend the Patriots. Don't first rounders very often often offensive linemen, or really day two, uh, first or second or third round guys, I should say. So with that, if the Vikings sit there and say, well, why can't we do that? Well, it's because you haven't had that consistent offensive line coach. And unfortunately, with the passing of Tony Sperano, it has to reset that for them. They have to get a new guy in there. They were really set and and kind of screwed uh, the way that that happened in terms of just the football aspect of his passing. And so with all of that, they they need to reset and get Rick Dennison in here, who's probably going to be the offensive line coach named either this week or next. They need to get some kind of coaching consistency going and find that development because you don't have a Dante Scarnecchia here like the Patriots do. A long-time guy who's viewed as one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They don't have that. And so you just need to try and develop the guys you do have. And you're right. Maybe spend higher picks where other teams have that luxury of not having to.
0: So let's try to project this out. If Riley Reef moves to left guard. The left tackle is going to be Brian O'Neill, or is it going to be whoever they draft with the 18th overall pick?
2: Yeah, if, if they feel like they can get one at 18th overall, that's where I think they're going to try and go. But at the same time, if they miss on that, I think they're open to Brian O'Neill moving spots. He played so well at that right spot, and, and you've seen guys in the past, Nate Solder do that move to the left side after starting out on the right side because he was so good as as a rookie or as a young guy. So I think you could see that happen. I think they're going to keep their options open. To me, it's going to come down to, two: what kind of guards can they get in free agency? Are they going to be stuck with Mike Rammers and restructuring that contract and hoping he can improve a second year at that guard spot? If not... All of this is so Viking. <laughs> it's just so Viking. So yeah. like Trying to convince
0: yourself that something that didn't work is all of a sudden going is, to work. The thing is, you
2: can't get three new starters in one offseason. You just yeah. can't. They don't have the money to do it. They've invested uh, so much of that money on defense, and, and rightfully so with how good that group has been consistently year to year. So they just don't have the money to just buy three new starters, or the draft capital necessarily, because they're going into this draft right now with five draft picks.
0: The uh, offensive line prospects, there are quite a few good ones at the time tackle position uh, Jonah Williams is probably out of the Vikings range I would say he strikes me as a guy that's going to be top 10 although the mock drafts have been all over the place some people think he's going to be a guard but I, I don't see that I think if you're a tackle legit tackle prospect you're going in the top 10 but there's other guys Greg Little from Ole Miss Cody Ford from Oklahoma Jawan Taylor from Florida are the top names and then Dalton Risner is a guy who who seemed to have his stock rise at the Senior Bowl. So there are lots of options for the Vikings on the offensive line, but when you look at Brian O'Neill and the growing pains that he went through, though I liked a lot of things that he did, it was also shaky at times from week to week, and there were some times where he was just flat-out overpowered you're probably asking a lot of a rookie tackle if you're going to put him in there, especially at the left tackle position. Khalil Mack is still going to be in this division next year. And when you look at the free agent tackles, there are no upgrades on Riley Reef in the free agent market.
2: No, no, right now there is not. You're absolutely right. You, that, that position is becoming almost like quarterbacks, where the good, the good ones just don't become available. They will get overpaid to stay where they're at. And keep in mind, the Vikings... Riley Reef was their third and maybe four, worst fourth fifth option in free agency. They missed on Andrew Whitworth. They missed on Russell Okung. Mm-hmm. Uh They wanted to bring back Matt Khalil over him. Now they probably got lucky that they didn't and Carolina gave him more money, but they didn't necessarily prioritize Riley Reef, so they kind of he kind of fell into their lap and so where they 're at with him. This is still something they're just talking about, just thinking. This isn't decisions don't get made, obviously, January, February. So Riley Reef could still very much be the left tackle week one of next season. Um so you're right, you're not gonna find one in free agency. You gotta hope that if you're the Vikings, this is a, a draft that kind of uh, develops to where quarterbacks, defensive stars kind of get plucked a bunch in that top 10, and you get a talent that falls to you in that in that 18 spot.
0: Andrew Kramer sitting in Courtney Cronin's seats today here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar with you as well. 651-646-8255. Help us fix the offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> We're going to do it this afternoon. We're going to do it, it this afternoon <laughs> here in early February because we've got a month until teams yep. can start actually signing players, and then we, we aren't even that close to the nfl combine andrew we were joking around about that yesterday like okay so we can break down the new fast and the furious trailer i guess <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean there is a long time to go before they figure these things out so clearly you are not reporting that tomorrow riley mm-hmm. reef is putting his guard shoes on and he's going to play <laughs> there but that being an option it just sort of it tells you something about signing veteran free agents. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a piece at the beginning of the offseason. Don't be so sure the Vikings are going to go out and overpay for Roger Saffold or Ramon Foster, one of the top guard names, because those guys are over 30 and it's risky to do it. And the last couple of guys that they've paid a lot for, Alex Boone, Mike Remmers, Riley Reef. Boone got cut in year two, didn't play good in year one. Sorry, I sounded like Zimmer there. Play good. Uh... <laughs> Mike Remmers moves from right tackle to right guard and was very poor and was one of the most overpaid right guards per his production. And then now you have a left tackle that you're paying starting left tackle money who's in the conversation to move to left guard. I mean, it just tells you everything about signing free agents, unless it's an Andrew Whitworth and those guys hardly ever come out on the market it's usually not worth it to go all in. You have to take a patient approach. This team hasn't really done that. They panicked because of 2016 was so bad and they signed two guys that weren't worth it. And then last year they end up having some things go wrong and not drafting the guy in the first round that they should have drafted. And they end up again with a poor offensive line,
2: man. Wouldn't it be nice to have a hall of fame quarterback willing to take a little money to stay there and, and just kind of play into his forties in his prime and do all the things like maybe, I don't know a Tom Brady. It's just those, Those kinds of advantages where you've got the salary cap space, you've got the coaching we mentioned with the offensive line coaching over there in New England being so good that you can just kind of create guys. And then, like with Nate Solder, when he gets too old, just let him go. And then all of a sudden, oh, we still win a Super Bowl without him. <laughs> uh, those kinds of things are just amazing to me in how those pieces fall together. And the Vikings having to pay as much as they did. For Kirk Cousins, that 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 limits their window because they've got all these high-priced stars they want to face, they want to pay on defense to keep them together. Um, that's going to limit their ability, and we're seeing it right now with the offensive line.
0: This team has such a tendency to react, overreact, and make the wrong move. And I feel like that's exactly what they did in signing Reef and Remmers, even though they got a decent performance in 2017 out of the offensive line. But when you look back at the performance by Riley Reef, it starts out solid, but then here come the injuries. And this is yeah, the same thing yep. that happened last year. And at the end of the day, Reef is a bottom third offensive tackle that you probably could have picked up with somebody else. It was watching T.J. Clemmings. It was so bad watching T.J. Clemmings. They needed to go out and spend all this money. And I think with this year, the number one thing they need to keep in mind is do not overreact and make a big mistake here and overpay somebody on the free agent market or even reach in the draft. If there's one of those top tackles, then take him. But if not then take the best guy who's going to be there because otherwise that's how you end up with a Colton Miller, for example, yeah, yep. who was a disaster in Oakland. They overdrafted him because he was a big athletic left tackle but there were a lot of red flags there.
2: And I think the sharpest point of criticism that we can put on on this Vikings offensive line situation is their inability to scout late round targets. For how much Rick Spielman wants to uh, be that kind of Patriot-style team that just gets gems in the late rounds and finds them, they did that with John Sullivan. It worked once. Great. Mm-hmm. Congrats. It didn't, it didn't work since. But a lot of those guys are not even in the league anymore. Tyrus Thompson, Jeff Baca, TJ Clemmings, <laughs> you just mentioned. It's not like these guys are Where's leaving. Where's the Beeve?
0: Is Willie Beeve still around? <laughs> I think he I is think still he, around. No,
2: Chicago. I think Chicago actually just signed him last month.
0: I saw TJ Clemmings in an Oakland Raiders game.
2: So, okay. So, but those so guys are still around, they're, too. They're certainly not starring. <laughs> so, these guys, at least as no. they're young, are getting batted around, but they're not leaving and becoming great players. So, it, I'm not necessarily saying it's a dearth of coaching on the Vikings. It's just their inability to scout and find those guys in the draft, as you were we're just talking about
0: so here's another idea that I think is maybe more viable but I don't know how they feel about it it seems like the Vikings are locked into the idea of Pat Elfline as their long-term center and I don't blame them for that he has a lot of the tendencies that you really like from a personality perspective but mm-hmm. also I think he was in a very tough spot and not used the best by John D. Filippo. we saw Pat Shermer get him moving all the time that's where he was good but he was also a really good guard in college as well mm-hmm. Center to guard, I think, is easier than tackle to guard. And there are better... Uh, centers on the free agent market and they don't always cost a ton, but Matt Paradis from the Denver Broncos is probably the top name. Ryan Khalil is old and, and beat up, but still maybe a one-year contract type of guy. There are a few names on that market of guys who are reasonably decent at center that that might be the better way to go than trying to move Reef inside and drafting a tackle and just hoping that guy's NFL ready to play left tackle.
2: Yeah, and if you're the Vikings, I don't think you can be close-minded about that. And to your point, I don't think you can sit there and say that we're just locked in on pat being the center i know that was one of Kirk Cousins' biggest points of frustration this past offseason was they couldn't get Pat on the field. They mm-hmm. couldn't. He had worked with like four or five different centers up until, and then trading for Brett Jones, yeah. literally two, three weeks before the season, whatever it was, to get a guy that would start the first three games at center. So to have your franchise quarterback, the guy you paid all this money to, and to undermine him with not even being able to get your center back on the field or find a consistent one, uh, that, was, that was a part that really didn't play well with Kirk. And so with Pat, he didn't really find that group. He didn't really find that stride this season. Um, I don't know if it was the injury so much that was holding him back throughout the year as just not being able to have an offseason to add the strength that he needed to add, to do the things he needed to do to take that leap from his rookie season. You saw in that Patriots game. By week 13, Bill Belichick was basically scheming up his defense to target Pat Elfline and those terrible guards that were on the field at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. both playing through injuries Tom Compton and Mike Remmers at the time were. So they they just knew that that was the weakest point of that group. And so you're right. I don't think they can sit there and say we are set at the center position. I think when Rick Dennison gets in here as the O-line coach, they need to be totally wide open with where they put these guys in 2019 because nobody really played besides Brian O'Neill. Nobody really played to kind of secure their spot.
0: So let me ask. Ask you this let's just say that I fast forward you uh, 14 12 months from now 12 11 months 11 months from now, and we're in January of next year, and I tell you wow, the Vikings had a good offensive line this year. Pro Football Focus rated them 10th in the league in offensive line play. Tell me how that happened.
2: I don't believe you. Um...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think there is a world in which they find a good offensive line, and that world starts with Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak, for one. So the scheme would be a main part of that. But if they are going to somehow put the pieces together, what do you think would be the best combination? In the perfect world, everything goes right for them, and boom, they have a top 10 offensive line.
2: I think it's somehow landing a franchise left tackle at 18th overall and somehow finding a veteran guard or center who can plug right in and play right away. You put Elfline wherever you think he fits in between that group, and maybe you've got Reef at that left guard spot. And I do think Reef would play out a lot better than Mike Remmers there. I agree. Um, just in terms of his where he's been in life and understanding that he's played that position before. Mike Remmers looked at times like a deer in the headlights when he was playing that spot. I don't think Reef would have the same uh, approach to it, or at least he would have that more experience to be settled in it. So I think that's probably the best shot. Uh, and to get some consistency with the coaching, get the right play calling, lean more on the running game, make, the, make their jobs easier because they did not do that last year with how pass happy they were. And Brian O'Neill has to put on some weight. He really does. Yeah. In order to get to my point about uh, running the ball more in terms of Mike Zimmer's point, too. I don't know if you've heard, Matt. Um, hmm. Mike Zimmer wants them Zimmer, to run the ball. More. Run. <laughs> <laughs> but it really does help the offensive lineman when you don't have a talented group. And so if, if they're going to get the most out of it, I think it does stand to benefit them by using Dalvin Cook more. Hopefully, if, they're, if you're them, he can stay healthy. But Brian O'Neill needs to add weight in order to be able to become a good run blocker because that was by far his biggest week, weakness last year.
0: Star Tribune beat reporter Andrew Kramer for the Minnesota Vikings in here with me on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, 651 646 8255. If I told you that next year the Vikings had a top 10 offensive line, how would it happen? What is your offseason plan for the Vikings to fix the line? I, I just I can envision Vikings fans right now soaking in the O line talk. Like they want. <laughs> this so bad. Bring me the <laughs> offensive line talk because every time, maybe you've noticed this from yep. my Twitter, every time I tweet about anything other than that like, hey, you know, Chad Beebe's got a good chance next year. Not if he doesn't have an offensive line. <laughs> like, thanks, everyone. Thanks, I know. I I did notice that the last couple years. Uh, so feel free to chime in on the future of the Vikings offensive line. 651- 646-8255. When we come back, I want to ask Andrew the most interesting offense. Uh, no, I'm sorry, interesting off-season team in the NFL. Offense may be a part of that as well. I want to take a look at some cap space to see which teams could do the most spending in the NFC. We will talk about that next. Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune, Matthew Collar. will be right back on Purple Daily. You
1: aren't into Minnesota sports.
3: Talk to the mitten Score. North, Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere, scorenorth.com. And this portion of Purple Daily is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores, proud sponsors of The Beer Show, heard Thursday nights right here on Score North on 1500.
0: All right, back here on Purple Daily, in hour number two, ESPN's Bill Barnwell will join us at 1.30. Also, Manny has his list of eight or nine things. I that's that's the thing. It's either 8 or 9.
2: Is that the official title? Yeah, it is nine? Manny's list of 8, eight or eight 9. Things. Yep. I like that.
0: Because I asked him to make a top 10 list one time and he was like, "Well, I have 8 or 9." So I was like, "Is it 8 or
2: is it 9?" And, and then framer I,
3: last week I actually made a list of 10, my 10 favorite Super Bowls you you ever and, and I had to cut one. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I was ordered by Collar to cut one.
2: Somebody's holding you accountable. I like you that. You got to stay true to the bit. It stay is consistent. 8 or 9.
0: 651 six, six, five, five, to jump on fixing the offensive line. The topic you were all. Waiting for. I waited till the Super Bowl was over and a team with a good offensive line won. Nobody's talking about this. Finally, go offensive line, go all in. Uh, We won't talk about that for the entire hour, but if you've got more ideas to fix the Vikings offensive line, feel free to chime in. We'll start with uh, Doug
4: in Lakeville here. How are you, Doug? Hey, I'm good. Offensive line talk. I love it. I know, um, man. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two, two questions, one of which you may have answered. How did the Colts turn their offensive line around so quickly? And then the second uh, question is, thinking of the draft instead of free agents, uh, how many you know starting quality, uh, plug the guy in for eight to ten years, offensive linemen are there in the draft, and would it be would a realistic strategy be to you know to get two of them, either one at, you know one at eighteen and then trade some draft picks, move up so that we would come out of the draft with two really superior offensive line uh, linemen? That those are my questions. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Doug. Appreciate the call. I will answer the first one. You can answer the second one, Andrew. Uh, first one is Quentin Nelson was a six overall pick. If a guard is taken sixth overall, he is a freak, and he was a freak, and he did something that almost never happens, a guy stepping in and just dominating right away.
2: Yeah, you have to be convinced you're drafting a future Hall of Famer to take a guy at six overall at guard, and, and I think they might have.
0: They also were not afraid to do what Doug just suggested, which is draft two offensive linemen. They took a guy from Auburn that I thought the Vikings might have taken if he was there, which is Braden Smith, turned out to be a really good player. Uh, They had drafted Ryan Kelly. Are you getting a sense for the uh,
2: theme here? And he was injured the year before and came back this year. Yes, that that was a huge improvement for
0: them. And then Mark Glowinski, I believe, was a draft pick of theirs as well. And he's a pretty good player. And then uh, Anthony Costanzo has been a good player for quite a while. So really it was draft, 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 draft. And uh, that's the only way to really do it, I think. And then plus scheme. Scheme is a big part of this too. They were, under Pagano, making Andrew Luck drop back seven-step, nine-step drops, and that was kind of the old-school way he was doing it, throwing it down the field more often, where Frank Reich got the ball out quickly with Andrew Luck this year. All that played into it, but I think the theme from Indy is pretty clear, and I don't think anybody would be upset if the Vikings drafted two offensive linemen with their first two picks.
2: Yeah, that would be a departure a little bit from how they're trying to do things, how Rick Spielman tries to accumulate picks. You've heard everything about that. They should get at least a couple, I believe, sixth-round compensatory picks that should up their total draft stock to seven currently. Um, Usually, as, as you know, I don't know if you've heard, Rick likes to have 10 picks. Uh, that's that's the <laughs> mantra we hear every single year so I've heard that, yeah. if they are to acquire that many more it's going to be hard to draft up more and, and send out more to get up and back into the first round now we have seen them do that though instances like 2013 2014 when they jump back in for Cordero, Cordero Patterson jump back in for Teddy Bridgewater when they've got a guy that they really like they are not afraid to jump up there and do it mm-hmm. however they had more draft capital then than they do now and so I wonder if you do do that if Rick Spielman decides to jump back into the first round all the way at the end of April here a few months out, um, that would be a clear message of even more message that they're so all in on the current group that they've got, because those draft picks are so coveted in terms of the long-term future of this team.
0: You are listening to Purple Daily. Andrew Kramer, beat reporter for the Vikings uh, for the Star Tribune, is with us. Let's go to uh, Roger in Cottage Grove. What's up, Roger? Hey,
4: guys. Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts were about Nick Easton. And what his impact in coming back to the Vikings after his injury and uh, I know you've talked about Pat Elfline quite a bit as well but how injured he was and how that really hurt the overall offensive line so those are kind of my thoughts I'm hoping that they go high in the draft and get either either a uh, a guard or a tackle But uh, I'd like the idea of trying to pick up a center and maybe moving Elfline over. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. But I I think having two guys from the center of the line hurt uh, both Easton and Elfline really had a big impact. And we have to rely on kind of secondary guys like Remmers, et cetera. Thanks, Roger.
2: Appreciate the call. Yeah, I think if you're looking for parallels uh, like the previous caller to the Colts, one would be you're hoping Pat Elfline had a full healthy offseason. He can come back and make the kind of impact that Ryan Kelly made for the Colts. Mm -hmm. Um, He has the potential to do that, whether it's at center or at guard. Um, I think that's probably going to be... Because you're right, that that was such a big big issue for them this year, not being on the same page with Kirk Cousins, bad snaps throughout the year, not playing up to the level that he had played as a rookie. So that's going to be a big one, I think.
0: Now, when you look at the possibilities, can I just select all? Like, So Nick Easton is a free agent. He's not going to cost a lot to bring back because he's coming off of a pretty serious injury that kept him out for the full season. We're not even really sure about his football future, but if he's back in playing shape... You can bring him back. You can draft two offensive linemen in the first two rounds if you want to. I don't think there's any limit to the number of bodies that you can bring in here to try to make this work. Because if if it were Case Keenum was still the quarterback or somebody who had mobility and pocket presence and playmaking ability, you would say, okay, well, that's fine. You can maybe skimp a little or leave Riley Reef over there. He'll be just good enough but not with this quarterback. And when you watched Jared Goff in the Super Bowl, the hesitation that was there, the pressure that that brought on, we saw that on a weekly basis from Kirk Cousins. And when Riley Reef had a matchup that he couldn't handle, it was just over. And, and Jerry Hughes was the great ex- example of that against Buffalo. He dominated Riley Reef, and Kirk Cousins did not know how to adapt. And it just took apart the entire game plan. In this case, they have to build it up as much as possible, as many assets as it takes, really, to protect him because that's one of his major
2: shortcomings. Yeah, Nick Easton's one we haven't talked about probably uh, because of the uncertainty, as you had mentioned. We, we really don't know coming off a bulging disc in his neck, neck surgery, a big offensive lineman like that. You've seen now, now John Sullivan made the comeback off of a couple back surgeries. You can't sit there and bank on it, though. I know Nick is younger. That at least lends credence to the idea that he can come back from that. But if he's dealing with, uh, for instance, nerve issues or any kind of things that can come from that that type of injury, you need to be really careful, one, not to bank on him, certainly, not to pay him a lot of money and not to think that he's going to be your option, but two, wondering how he can hold up long term throughout the course of a season, even if he wins the job. In training camp, so with Nick Easton, that's just a that's a backseat option to me. That's not somebody you can even bank on right now. I need to see him just play football again to even think that he can be your option there.
0: Do I dare move off of the offensive line time? <laughs> I didn't
2: I, know there was any I, other positions I, on the I, field. I know,
0: I know, it's amazing. Uh, did you know that the quarterback can make a throw? When he's pressured. I didn't actually. Or that, not since know, the Eagles
2: game I did. not <laughs> Or
0: he could get the ball out in under three seconds. Like you're allowed to do that. Uh, there's a great, by the way, speaking of that snark, there's a great pro football focused stat about uh, the uh, expected points added while scrambling and the big time throws made while scrambling. So Pat Mahomes is like through the roof in both categories. The number of big time throws made by Kirk Cousins when scrambling. Do you got a guess? Uh, a couple. It's two, zero. Two? Oh, he, it's, okay. they they huh. tracked him having zero big time throws when scrambling.
2: Wow, which uh, means into tight coverage, into a tight window. I would have thought it would have been at least one or two. Um, that's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. And turnover worthy plays were pretty high.
0: You remember the play in uh, Detroit where he was rolling out and just threw it to nobody, and it was almost picked off. Yeah, and, and this is and this is the bigger point about the offensive line and needing to build
2: it up. Yeah, and and even when he was uh, protected at times, you saw him make bad throws when he was getting pressured earlier in games and getting Mm -hmm. kind of seen ghosts, as they would say, kind of shook by the pressure that he had gotten before. And it really fell off to me after that Philadelphia game in week five. He was making throws. Remember after that game, he had made some comment Like I had to see between legs and ankles to see if my passes were being completed. And that was an underhanded shot at the offensive line. At least (laughs) I I know about that one. At least I know that's how the offensive lineman took it. And so ever since then, you didn't see Kirk play under pressure the same way. He wasn't the same guy. He didn't have that consistency. And I don't know if it was playing hurt. I don't know if he had just taken too many hits in the first half of the season. Um, But Kirk show that he couldn't hold up the full season like that. And unless you're going to get him on the move, he must be a really bad thrower on the move in practice if they didn't get him out more. Um, I was impressed more with what the Lions tried to do with Matthew Stafford in the second game, getting him away from that Vikings pass rush because mm-hmm. of how badly he was beaten in that first matchup. Yeah. I was more impressed with that coaching than what we saw from Kevin Stefanski in that second game against the Lions.
0: Well, that leads us to exactly something I wanted to ask you about, is the presence of Gary Kubiak is pretty interesting here. That he is going to be assistant coach Coach slash offensive advisor, and it seems to me like that means Kevin Stefanski wants to run a Shanahan style, Gary Kubiak type of offense, and a big part of that is getting Kirk Cousins on the move in the bootlegs, which I think he can do. He is terrific in the boots. Yeah, that's um, what I hear. Yeah, <laughs> as as Purple Podcast <laughs> listeners would know, because we have obsessed over how terrific he is in the boots. uh, <laughs> uh But but I I think that. Uh, it was all of the factors combined with the offensive line that the sum of the talent that was there was not what the result was. Like, the individuals put together, the performance was well below what they should have been able to do, even though it would have never been great. It didn't have to be, like, the worst in the league. And it was, or one of the worst.
2: You're right, because we saw what Pat Shermer did the year before with parts that weren't, you know, you had Joe Berger, you had other guys there, but it wasn't a total remaking of that group. It was just a change of quarterback and some changes on the offensive line the whole thing fell apart. And you had Dalvin Cook back, and I know he couldn't stay healthy, but they just couldn't get any kind of mixture identity involved. They had an identity crisis from from the middle of the season when they were 4-2-1. And And so with Gary Kubiak coming in, having a full offseason, I view this as a situation where this is the best-case scenario for them to get an offense established with a full-time frame to do it. And you have to hope that you're not undercut like they were last year at times with Pat Elfline, Nick Easton injuries, that you're not undercut at that spot and, and and undermined what you're able to do with your system. But I think leaning more on Dalvin Cook and whatever running back is going to back him up is going to help uh, the pass protection and Kirk Cousins immensely.
0: Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune here with us on Purple Daily for the hour. Bill Barnwell joins at 1.30. And then we have uh, your buddy Chip Scoggins is in this afternoon. I'm surprised he's not already here. Hashtag, yeah, he's 17 he's, hours early to everything he, he does in life. It's always. impressive. Always very early. Um, so, okay, I want to, just because you deserve this, give you some NFL Films music for this next part of the show. Uh, to run down some of the off-season, there was, yes, NFL Films
3: music? There you go. Uh, I was trying to find the right one.
0: It, it really, I mean, you have so many options. There's a wide, beautiful palette of NFL
3: Films music. I'm a perfectionist, yeah, caller. You, you know are. Uh,
0: so... To, to run down some of these things on the checklist for the Vikings offseason, I want to just get your take on these. Uh, so I, I just wrote down a bunch of things that they have to decide on, and you can tell me sort of like quick hits style. Okay. <laughs> Football. Quick hits. There, there, thank you, Manny.
2: Whoa, I love that. <laughs> He's That's a, new. we got a he, bunch of shiny objects around here now. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it.
0: Um, whether to franchise tag Anthony Barr.
2: Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, He's not worth uh, what would be projected $15 million. Uh, I think he was overpaid last year at $12 million. Really, really good player, not a great player. Put odds on him coming back. What percentage would you give that? I would give it about 20%. I just don't think that the Vikings are going to be the highest bidder for Anthony Barr. Sheldon Richardson, re-signing Sheldon Richardson? I think that will be a priority. This is just conjecture, but I think that will be a priority based on what Mike Zimmer likes in his defense and how Sheldon played at times last year. We don't allow conjecture here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Trey Wayans, do they extend him or trade him?
2: Ooh. What's more likely? Um, I think more likely is an extension. Uh, I think Trey uh, really took a leap ne- uh, last year. He was one of the most targeted corners in 2017, cut that in half last year because they found other places that were softer in the defense to throw. That is a credit to Trey and his improvement. Uh, I think they'll keep him at $9 million next year, and I think an extension is more likely than the, him getting traded.
0: If you have to pause to tackle something in the room, you can, just like with the offensive line talk and the NFL films music. Oh, you want
2: me to give the voice like the huh? I, just I mean, if you, mean.
0: you just like wanna tackle someone, <laughs> oh, oh, Oaks, or like so tackle hyped Manny, up. Yeah. or just you know flip <laughs> this table. Glass I was wondering—I you know.
2: was actually wondering why the tackle dummy was in the corner of the room. Yeah. but now I get it. Uh, extend Adam Thielen
0: or rework his contract in some way so the man has more cash in his pockets.
2: I think that is likely. Uh, Rick Spielman said at the bye week last year that we we have a a track record of taking care of people who play well for us. That was when he was asked about Adam Thielen. I think you could see a similar deal to Stefan Diggs in Adam Thielen's pocket. Moving on from Laquan Treadwell. Ooh, now that would cost them, I believe, about two point four, 2500000 dollars. That's it's a lot to swallow. But Laquan has shown that he's very inconsistent uh, at times. He can make some really just boneheaded mistakes that you don't want to see mental mistakes that far in his NFL career. So this is a great I, one. I think you could absolutely see them move on from Laquan Treadwell.
0: This is an elite one.
2: I like this one. Man, Magnificent
3: eleven. Oh yeah, he's great,
2: a great with one. the DJ back yeah, there. That's like right.
0: It. That's right. I need the like wicker wicker scratch. Uh, restructuring Everson Griffin or cutting Everson Griffin?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not sure at all. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised no matter which way this plays out. Everson's meant a lot to the team and what kind of just building along that defensive line with all the good young guys they've got there, including Tadeel Hunter down to Stephen Weatherly. But Stephen Weatherly played so well, specifically against the run when Everson was out. That makes me think that you could see Stephen Weatherly get a much bigger role, and you could see them coming to ask for some of Everson's money.
0: Now, Anthony Harris is a restricted free agent. There are options on the free agent market at safety, quite a few of them. Landon Collins is a heck of a player. Tyron Matthew is a guy who could play in a multitude of different positions. Those two would cost some cash, probably more than Anthony Harris, but they're also probably better at football than Anthony Harris. What do you think happens at safety, and is it just a dead lock that Andrew Sandejo has released?
2: I think it is because it's about, five, what, $5.5 and for Andrew Sandejo next year? That's a team option for 2019, and the team is probably going to decline that option. It's just too much money It would make him, I believe, a top 10 or top 12 paid safety, and he has not earned that. Uh, And he's dealing with back injuries that that, uh, put him on IR, groin injury as well. So, no, I don't think Anderson Deho comes back. I think the simplest solution is Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman re-signing Anthony Harris to keep him here. I do not see them overpaying for a safety in free agency because they have no track record showing they like to do that.
0: Are they more likely to add in some way or another high draft pick or free agency a number 3 wide receiver, or a tight end who can go down the
2: field? I think a tight end. I think that's something they're going to try and prioritize. They tried to do it last year. They tried to trade for Tyler Higbee. They tried to get Jerry Cook a couple years ago. Um, they've really just been swinging and missing on the guys they tried to bring in. Uh, now they've got Tyler Conklin there. Remember Bucky Hodges? That was a fun experiment. Um, so Michael I th- Pruitt. I, Michael Pruitt. So I think you're going to see them go after that again. And I think the uh, other NFL uh, case studies have shown that if you can get Uh, a good athletic receiving tight end and potentially a guy that takes over for Kyle Rudolph because Kyle Rudolph's entering the last year of his contract. So here's a
0: name for you. And this is a great tight end name. Like this just screams success. TJ Hawkinson from Iowa.
2: That's a very Midwestern name. It sounds like a great tight end.
0: that's a can't miss. J. If, if you are yeah. from Iowa you know what? I and your name Bucky, is Hawkinson.
2: I thought Bucky Hodges was a good sounding tight end name, though, too. So Virginia Tech, though. That's, <laughs> that's, not, that's, just that's, your that's not Big Ten. Okay, that's yeah, not like Big that. Ten. He's, he had half of
0: the formula, but sure. he ran way too fast. When someone runs a 4-6 at that size and they get drafted in the sixth round, you're like, wonder what that wonderlick score was. Yeah, <laughs> that's
2: a good point. Good
0: now, point. uh... Do you think that the Vikings will bring back Trevor Simeon? Do you think there's any chance in all of the world that they draft a quarterback to develop? Is it Kyle Sloter? What are we looking at here for backup quarterback?
2: I think their target is to bring—my my guess would be that they would want to bring back Trevor. Because of his familiarity with the Kubiaks in Denver where he started a bunch of games, I think that's probably going to be the target. I don't know if Trevor wants to come back, though. That's uh, He was a very much a no comment as he ran out of the locker room at the end of the season. So I, I didn't no talk to him yeah.
0: one idea. I couldn't it's, believe the backup yeah. quarterback
2: was was giving me the stiff arm. But yeah, I couldn't everywhere.
0: believe the left tackle captain did that to us as well. Well, that's Riley's mo. Yeah, he not a big talker. No, well, yeah, no, not he a isn't. Big talker. Uh, Andrew Kramer, Manny spinning the tunes beautifully done. Manny, I'm moved emotionally Thank by. You the NFL Films music. That's what I'm here for. Uh, If you've got a thought on the Vikings offseason, specifically rebuilding the offensive line, if you've got an idea or a question, 651-646-8255. We'll take a quick break. And I want to ask you about the Vikings' biggest rival and their offseason when we come back. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Stand
3: back. We don't know how big this is going to get. ScoreNorth.com. Alright guys, the 2019 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show It's back this weekend February 8th through the 10th at the Minneapolis Convention Center. You can grab your golf buddies Check out the great deals on everything from drivers, irons, apparel to early season golf passes and destination golf resort vacations. This year, you have two really cool ticket offers The advanced online ticket offer includes 17 free green fee passes and a his or hers moisture wicking golf shirt And new this year, the Up North VIP ticket, which includes a golf show ticket, two vouchers for the $100,000 pontoon putt, one Nike performance pullover, and 18 holes with cart at the Wilderness at Fortune Bay. Check out these offers and the all-new details at minnesotagolfshow.com. That's the 2019 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show.
0: All right, one more segment with Andrew Kramer of the Star Tribune. Covers the Vikings out there. Also the Googly Bowl champion, In uh, 2018. That's my proudest lifetime achievement, I think it might be. It is, and that is an extreme inside joke, but (laughs) there is a picture of you with two googly eyes that I bought from Target. So that's as far as we're going to take that. What did I tease before? Oh, the Packers. Yes. I was just telling you how I forget teases all the time and can't remember what I said we were going to talk about, but I got it. It was the Packers. I want you to tell me, Andrew, what you think the Green Bay Packers' biggest need is, what their biggest move is going to be this offseason, and just how much better they can be if they pack some receivers in there. See what I did there? Pack oh, wow. That was yeah. impressive. Good job, me. Uh, and, and, and now with Matt LaFleur as their new head coach. I mean, they are a team that in the odds for the Vegas odds are listed toward the top, again, because of Aaron Rodgers, but is it Over for them being that level of a contender, or are there a few things they could put around him to get right back in that top of the NFC North race?
2: Yeah, I don't think it is. Uh, I think right now it all comes down to the biggest improvement they need was coaching. And so this is the move they're hoping they made with Matt LaFleur and a guy who is connected to Kyle Shanahan. Um, connected to, to Sean McVay's in roundabout ways. And so uh, I, from what I've read, he's, he's more of a Shanahan guy. And I think that probably might lend credence to to a better offense because of the way that we've seen some of the disciples of so-and-so you know approaches play out. So I think coaching was the biggest thing they needed to improve on. They need to hope that they can do that with a system that actually gets guys open or at least in windows for Aaron Rodgers instead of just saying, all right, guys, let's run four go routes and let's see what happens. And that just <laughs> seemed to be what they ran through the years with Aaron Rodgers. Um, opponents would talk about how simple and easy, including Vikings defenders, that offense could be at times, and it was only made difficult because of the improvisation by Aaron Rodgers, which is uh, you know, maybe the improvisation that the Vikings could use a little bit at quarterback, not necessarily like that, but just a little improvisation. Um, so with the Packers, their biggest moves, I think, needs to be keeping that offensive line intact. I know there's been some talk about Brian Balaga potentially getting let go. Um, I still think he's well worth just a five million dollar cap hit that he's got over there. Um, I think you could see some wide receiver talent uh, come and go and, and get kind of shifted around. So, and I think it's it's about time for that. I know Devonte Adams is under contract for a long time, um, and then maybe, possibly, potentially get a real running back in the mix there. I just think they've relied on average Joes for too long.
0: Devontae Adams, when uh, Aaron Rodgers was targeting him on 162 targets, which is a Yeah, way
2: too many. A
0: 121.6 rating when throwing to Adams. Everyone else is nowhere close. I mean, Jimmy Graham, 87 rating. Marquez uh, Valdez-Scandling, 95 rating. I mean, some of these guys, Equinemius, St. Brown, if that's how you say it. It is how you say it. I it think. is, yeah. I don't yeah. Okay, yeah, 93.8 rating. Like No one else is even close. So basically he had one good receiver last year to work with and then a bunch of guys who he was trying to sort of drag along with him. Maybe they could be a little better if Randall Cobb comes back. He's a free agent, but if he comes back and is healthy – they need to get rid of Jimmy Graham. What a disastrous move that was. It was like, did you guys only watch tape of Jimmy Graham for like four years ago and think, no, yeah, this will work, because that didn't work at all
2: for them. Yeah, I don't understand the approach sometimes where, where I, I guess I get it. You're trying to find that big tight end for Aaron Rodgers, the way that he had used Michael Finley during that Super Bowl run, and they just have not been able to recapture that in any way, shape, or form. Martellus Bennett couldn't do it. Jimmy Graham can't do it. Um, there's just guys that they maybe aren't spending enough on. I don't know what it is. If, if they think they can find bargains there on washed up guys, but it's clearly not working out, and so that's something where yeah, I believe that if they can, I don't know the contract situation, but if they can, they should probably cut bait from Jimmy Graham and probably move on from there. And defensively, they keep Mike Petton. I think they've got a lot of talent on defense. It was it was unfortunate for them that Muhammad Wilkerson went on IR as early as he did, mm-hmm. um, but I think Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark were great players for them. I think it's finally time to move on from Clay Matthews. I, <laughs> yes, I just I think he's been four washed, years too late. He's been washed up so long now that. And and all these penalties that he's getting and just thinking like, wow, everybody's out to get me. Like, no, maybe you're just hitting guys at the wrong time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's finally time to move on from Clay Matthews if you're the Green Bay Packers and maybe stop drafting corners in the first round because none of them pan out.
0: <laughs> uh, Jair Alexander, except when he was trying to guard Adam Thielen, was pretty good. Sure right. Showed some you're potential right. there. Their other guy, Jackson, did not. He, he didn't show a lot.
2: No, he didn't. And, and then they traded HaHa Clinton Dix. You got DeBarius Randall out of there as well. Um, I believe Quentin Rollins, is he still hanging around there i'm not even sure so all these guys that they get in these early rounds it just hasn't been working out for them Uh, and right now i think that the packers need to focus more on the offensive and defensive lines
0: it was a very funny move when they traded ha ha clinton (laughs) i see what you did there. Uh, yeah yeah. that's hilarious uh more likely that the packers (laughs) go seven and nine eight and eight or 13 and three
2: Oh, seven to nine, eight and eight. I think your 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 floor is so much higher when you have if if he's healthy, Aaron Rodgers. And I think people um, kind of let it go by the wayside that Aaron Rodgers did sprain and I believe it was an MCL in that first game and mm-hmm. really wasn't the same guy throughout the season. And then you wonder if he was maybe trying to get a guy fired by the end of the year. But um, <laughs> I, I think overall, you just look at how. He played and yeah, his floor is, is, is at least seven or eight wins. I don't see them tanking like that. And but right now, the Packers are the third best division in, or excuse me, the third best team in the division. They are still looking up at both the Vikings, in my opinion, and the Chicago Bears. And so they've got a lot of ground to make up.
0: The Bears are a really interesting one for this offseason because they bring back. All the guys, all those weapons that they signed last offseason, they re-signed their right tackle, who was a free agent, so they're going to keep their offensive line together. Uh, Cody Whitehair is a good player. Mm-hmm. He's taken steps for them, so they're going to have a pretty good offensive line again. All the defensive talent comes back, but as we've seen even here, it's hard to stay number 1 for very long. And I wonder if there is some regression there unless Mitch Trubisky takes a next step.
2: Yeah, it really is hard to stay that that. On top for that long, and, and the big reason why is is health. It's just so fleeting in the NFL, and the Bears. I believe it was around December, and I decided to take a look at all the defenses, how many games each has missed to starters due to injury, and the Bears were among the, the fewest and with just three games missed by like week 15 or something <laughs> like that, and then they lost uh, Bryce Callahan, their, their star slot corner, and lost a couple more, but they were so healthy throughout the year the Bears were. I know Leonard Floyd broke his hand, and it was kind of up and down there for a bit, but when you got Khalil Mack and got those guys, you can deal with that, and right now the Vikings did not have the same health last year with Everson Griffin and the situation that happened with him, with Anderson Deho going down, uh, Anthony Barr, Eric Hendricks missing games, Linval Joseph missed a game, just everybody here or there, they're missing a piece and weren't a full unit. And the Bears, if they're going to hold that over to next year, they've just got to hope everybody can stay healthy the way they did last year.
0: Six five one six four six eight two five five, The phone number, Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune, uh, joining us here on Purple Daily for the hour. Bill Barnwell of ESPN comes up at 1.30. So I found a way because it's early February, to manufacture a power struggle between the front office and the coaching staff. You want to hear it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I can see Mike Zimmer in the ranch, sitting by his big TV, watching that Super Bowl, saying, defense wins championships. <laughs> and I can see the front office, TCO Performance Center, scrambling through every free agent wide receiver and every free agent tight end and every left guard and making trade phone calls. Who can we get to put around this $84 million quarterback? I could see where there would either end up with a compromise from the two sides or it going one side and someone not being all that happy with how the offseason turns out. If Zimmer doesn't get Sheldon Richardson back or Anthony Barr back or expensive replacements for them or a high draft pick in the first round and they pour everything into supporting Kirk Cousins. Or if Zimmer wins that power struggle, fans are going to burn down U S bank stadium. If they come back with like Tom Compton at left guard or something, right? With
2: the 18th overall pick, they take the corner out of,
0: (laughs) right? I mean, so, so I, I I actually think as much as I'm kidding around about this power struggle and this just battle over offense and defense, I could see this being an issue for them in the offseason where they try to make Mike Zimmer happy with defense, even though I think the right answer is rely on him as a scheming defensive coordinator, fill in the spots with role players that rotate, much like the Patriots do. Have They have a lot of those types of guys. And then support your $84 million quarterback the best you can. I mean, if you look at Jared Goff, who I think is a better quarterback than Cousins, but has some shortcomings— they give him everything he needs. So you've got Gary Kubiak in here to help with the offense. You assume your scheme's going to be better. But if there isn't more talent around him, if he is allowed to throw to Laquan Treadwell, he will find Laquan Treadwell and throw it to him. We know this about him. I, I think that they should pour most of their assets into the offensive side of the ball. And then Mike Zimmer is not going to like that.
2: You know, instead of a. Uh, I like the power struggle idea. Power but it, struggle. Instead of that. You will use. Power struggle, Andrew. Instead of that, I think, (laughs) I think right now with both of them entering uh, the final years of their contracts, Um, I think both Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman are smart enough to recognize the one thing that has continuously gone wrong when they don't make the playoffs uh, with this group that they've got right now in the Zimmer era. And that is the offense, obviously. So I I think you see that with the prioritization of the hirings of Gary Kubiak, bringing all those guys in. I think they understand that. So I don't know if Mike Zimmer is just going to see that Super Bowl and say, you know what? Now we really need to go for that linebacker at 18 overall. I would be very, very shocked if you saw them not prioritize the offense as you're talking about, uh, I think Mike Zimmer realizes his job depends on it.
0: Before I let you go, Andrew, uh, ESPN in its power rankings, power struggles, power rankings,
2: <laughs> power themed episode.
0: They uh, power football. We talked. <laughs> were we talking off air about fullbacks? Um, we were actually. Yeah. Power James Devlin. Fourteenth uh, is where the Vikings are in ESPN's power rankings. Is that too high, too low, or just right?
2: I think it's just right. Um, I think they were one of the first teams out of the playoffs. That's right where number 14 is. Um, I I don't think you look at this group, you you see the talent, you just don't see the coaching, especially on offense, yet. If they can get that down, if they look through the first quarter of next season like they're going to be a nice, balanced team, then they could very well jump in the top 10. But right now, there's no reason for them to be.
0: Thank you, Andrew Kramer, for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me on. People can read your offseason work in the Star Tribune or on a website relating to the Star Tribune. Startribune.ca, probably.
2: .com, I believe. We're not oh, a dot .org. Oh, not a dot .org yet. Good, good
0: for you. <laughs> uh, Manny's <laughs> list of eight or nine things is coming up next. Most interesting off-season teams in the NFL. Follow Andrew on Twitter. Thanks for coming in, and we will be back with you in just a minute on Purple Daily.
1: If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com.